0: Welcome to the Sensual Artistry Podcast, exploring erotic awakenings and liberated love. I'm your host, Luna Agnea, essential arts and intimacy facilitator, relationship coach, tantrika, and artist with a passion for the path of liberation through love. In this podcast, you will receive first-hand stories of sacred erotic awakenings, transformational experiences and love that goes beyond limits this podcast is here to inspire educate and awaken your own sensual artist because when you liberate your eros you liberate your life all right so today i have uh the lovely blossom leela as my guest would you like to introduce yourself blossom (laughs)
1: yeah hello um so I'm I'm Blossom and I am well I am I'm currently (laughs) going through a bit of a identity death I suppose which is something that um has happened many times before and I find myself here again so um, I I guess I would define myself as a sort of radical self-love, radical acceptance, um, empowerment coach. Um, I am very passionate about body sovereignty, about reclaiming our capacity for joy, for pleasure, to really Awaken to the experience of life that is available to us in every moment, but so many of us have become detached from that because of this fear or discomfort of being inside of our own bodies. And as someone born with a limb difference, a disability, this is something that I feel has been a big part of of my journey um, of coming back into my body of of coming home to my body when for so long I have wanted to escape and be out of it and and yeah be elsewhere in somebody else's body. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that um
0: yeah so Boston and I've been kind of working together for a while and it's come up a few times like uh speaking about disability and ableism and um, these kind of topics relating this, we kind of are uh, two sides of the the coin uh, where I'm one of the people with like a kind of internal invisible um, illness slash disability kind of thing. And Blossom's got a, a visible disability. And it seems to also bring up some similar but different uh, outcomes and um, processes, I guess, like when it's something that is visible versus invisible. Um, and yeah, we thought mm. it was an important topic to speak about. Not many people in the pleasure empowerment world that we've come across really seem to actually speak um about disability or ableism and stuff like that. I guess not many people kind of go into this field um, that do have disabilities, I guess, because it can be very unwelcoming um, and very gaslighty <laughs> and shamey and quite brutal actually. <laughs> so yeah Yeah. i'd love uh you to share a little bit about your process with this blossom and then we'll get into having a bit of a chat
1: Mm. yeah i mean you're totally right you know like i don't see anybody like me in any of the spaces that i go to um and my kind of journey back into my body i guess began just by going to yoga classes like trying to get healthy trying to get fit um and feeling super uncomfortable like there are certain positions and postures and things you've got to hold and I just couldn't do that or I needed a block or I needed something I needed an adapt an adaptation of some sort and I, I think I'm quite lucky in many ways because I, I'm quite stubborn <laughs> so for me being in these environments and trying to prove that I can do it as well, or like, um, I can do it just as good as you can, <laughs> is is the mentality that I've had, which has allowed me to kind of sustain and stick at um, these kind of, uh, yeah, like, environments and 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 spaces, which I feel very underrepresented in. I guess, yeah, that's been something that I've had to see and experience every day of my life like my body is different from pretty much everybody else's body I see sometimes I see another person down the street with a a limb difference or an amputation but um, it's not it's not common and um, it's certainly not common in the wellness industry especially in the way that you know the advertising; these these beautiful, tiny, skinny white women in in yoga pants. Um, it's not really when I mean, it's representing a very small <laughs> group of people that so many are not fitting in that box. Um, and so I've, I've I've yeah carried this kind of uh, concept that I am am different, which has given me this experience that I don't belong um my body has also been this indicator that I'm not enough because I'm I'm physically left left, uh, physically missing a limb so I'm lacking something something's missing something's wrong especially the way that we have these these models of disability um this medical model where you know you're you're disabled to do something which is not the model that I subscribe to I would subscribe to the social model of disability which is that the environment that we live in the society that we've constructed and created is not um suitable and available to everybody and so we are disabled by um you know steps that don't accommodate for wheelchair users or um cinemas that don't offer subtitles these kinds of things um so we are disabled by our environment rather than by our actual physical bodies and I think this has yeah given me this this feeling that I don't belong this feeling that I'm I'm missing or I'm lacking I'm not enough um and also carrying a lot of fear around especially when I was younger about what people thought of me um the way that I would be looked at often or children would point or say something you know like um this feeling of unsafety then rose I suppose inside of me over a long period of time um and then again yeah just the media not feeling represented being unseen um giving me this 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 yeah this lack this lack that I am not loved, I, I don't belong, I'm not safe. And so my body really was a, a, an uncomfortable place to be. Um and caused me to really numb out and detach and reject and, and hate myself. And it was almost like this, yeah, this this prison that I really couldn't escape from because <laughs> it was my body. Um and I felt like I could never fully express myself. I felt like I had to hide to fit in. Um which ultimately just impacted my it you know, my quality of life, my my joy, my happiness, my pleasure. Like I completely shut down to my experience of living. And I suppose the thing that really started to shift or, or change for me, um I guess yeah I can't really pinpoint a singular moment but it's definitely been a journey of grief and not something that I was really conscious of that I was grieving um I didn't really even register that actually I would have to grieve this because it was a loss that I never actually had I didn't lose it in a a car accident I was I was born with a limb difference so to grieve the loss of something I didn't have didn't really make sense <laughs> for a long time but um yeah it's definitely been a, a grieving process and in the, in the various stages of grief that I've moved through in my life it was definitely a lot of anger when I was younger a lot of discomfort frustration jealousy bitterness towards others um and I, like many people who were raised female, <laughs> was told that my anger was bad or wrong. And I actually had some anger management. Uh, I think when I was like 13 or 14, that that was the problem apparently. <laughs> I was too angry. Um, and so, yeah, then I started to sort of suppress my emotions, suppress my feelings and just, yeah, completely numbed out. And that led to depression, which kind of, well, really, I think the depression started probably around age 10 um when i i moved school for the first time i i moved from my local town where i grew up with all the kids who knew me who knew my arm and my disability moved to this new school where suddenly i became hyper aware of the fact that i was different and it really that was when i really started to hide and and try to i didn't want people to find out i didn't want people to know what my body really looked like um, and that was, yeah, I guess the beginning of the kind of depression, which was ongoing and up and down and had battled with for a really long time. And then there was a kind of bargaining phase of the grief, which was when I was around 16, I, I, I danced a lot when I was growing up, actually. Um, and interestingly, I think this felt like the only place that I ever felt safe um, on stage uh which is my parents could never really understand because on stage performing I had all of this free expression and and, you know my arm and my body would be totally on display and the moment I would step off the stage I would be putting on a jumper or trying to hide my body in some way um but dance really became this place for me to to be safe to express and I think the freedom of movement as well it wasn't like you know um going to the gym or going to a yoga class where you have to use the equipment in a certain way, dance was something that I could just move to um, and be moved. And, uh, yeah, the bargaining (laughs) was uh, I wanted to pursue dance as a career, actually. And I went to uh, a local um, orthopedic centre, which was to investigate kind of prosthetics and and things that they had at the time because I had in my head that – I would never be successful as a dancer because no one would hire a, a dancer with a limb difference. No one would cast Cinderella in the <laughs> you know, the lead of the um the theater production who, who has a disability. Um so I I I needed to somehow get a prosthetic that could maybe um look real enough that I could pursue that as a career because it was something I was so passionate about and so um yeah just was the only place I, I felt safe. And uh I remember the, the just the heartbreak and the disappointment and the, the the moment where the the um the doctor was like, oh no, like prosthetics are really not up to scratch. Like you would never be able to have anything that would look real or move real. Like we don't do that kind of thing. And Even if the technology existed, it would be super expensive and you know, like really heavy, and you wouldn't be able to afford it. And I just, yeah, my whole world like fell apart. (laughs) This this um this thing that was so essential to my joy and my expression of self and my pleasure in of life was yeah, (laughs) seemingly kind of, yeah, this dream was just crushed um and from that i think then moved into the denial phase of grief which was really then actually this kind of rebellious reclamation in in many ways of my body through sexuality so i started partying and drinking and taking drugs and got into kind of sex parties and bdsm world and the way that I would dress and the like colors I would dye my hair were very outrageous. And, and I, it was kind of like a, yeah, like, fuck you. Like, do you see me now? Like, uh, look at me now, you know, you want to look at me and you want to look at my body. So I'll give you something to look at. And, um, I was very much in this kind of like also caught up with, you know, a lot of the body positivity movement that that then was happening around that time. And, being like, yeah, everybody is beautiful, and I love my body. And fuck you if you don't like my body. Um, but it was certainly a mask, which I I then <laughs> realized much later um, when I started going a lot deeper into my my embodiment and and exploring tantric practices and um, yeah. <laughs> Well,
0: thank you for sharing your story. And, um, yeah, it's beautiful to hear, and also, yeah, very sad. Um, yeah, as you're saying, just the way that kind of society, yeah, makes. so that you know we we feel that we're not okay uh, as we are and that we have to go through this process and yeah it's interesting as you're saying it like I didn't actually um think so much that about the grieving process that I went through um especially the the first time when I got really badly sick and spent a few years in bed and stuff um you know, to be like, oh, wow, actually, yeah, there is like the the, the stages of grieving and rebellion and um, that kind of stuff, um, especially as I was someone that was athletic and was, um, you know, quite, quite fit and healthy as a young kid and then losing that. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to hear you speak to that. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear more. You just finished off with like, then you started finding kind of t- tantra and sacred sexuality, because um, for me, that was mm-hmm. like the, the big savior, I guess, uh, as someone like that struggles with a lot of, um, pain and limitations in my body to be able to tap into this, like limitless, um, energy and power and pleasure and, uh, you know, magic, like within my body is the thing that's really like, kind of saved me i guess from um from just kind of mm-hmm. hating on life and hating on my body because my body uh, malfunctions and uh, lets me down a lot in some ways but uh, having access to deep uh, pleasure and orgasmicness and spirituality through my body has been totally game changing for me and helped me to love my body on new levels so i'd love to hear about your journey with that
1: yeah i guess i, I recognized pretty early on in my life that so long as I identified with this body, I would never be whole. And that was some, yeah, that was, that was, that's a painful realization when you don't have any concept of what's beyond the body. Um, and I think that certainly contributed to a lot of my depression in my kind of mid twenties after the sort of (laughs) rebellion phase, um, was was another yeah cycle of depression of just like fuck like is this it is this is this my life like is this is this what I get to to do and experience is that it um and there were a few different kind of moments I suppose which started to um shift my perspective or yeah expand my my consciousness and that was really through um through various things. Uh, the first being my experiences with plant medicine and opening to a experience of of oneness and wholeness, which I had yeah, I had never comprehended really. I, I wasn't a particularly like spiritual personal that wasn't how I would define myself I had no kind of religious beliefs um but I went on a on a on a retreat a yoga retreat which was um a really beautiful retreat in Barcelona and there was a a shaman who um facilitated this beautiful ceremony and the that moment of of realization that there is something beyond my concept of just this body, but, that my concept of, of self could be so huge. Um, like the, the emotion, the waves of um, almost like, uh, I felt like forgiveness, <laughs> which, which is interesting. I think probably forgiveness towards myself for the way that I had I I had hated and rejected my body so much and suddenly seeing myself as my expanded sense of self allowed me to come into some acceptance that was maybe the first moment of acceptance that I that I found for my body um and through um So working uh with Layla Martin and studying on her uh love, sex and relationship coaching certification, that really taught me so much about how to experience what I was experiencing, how to tolerate it, how to really um yeah, expand the capacity inside of myself to feel the discomfort of of what I was feeling in my body. And and to love it and to find compassion. That first moment of acceptance when I had this, yeah, really powerful realisation that I am not just my body, that there is so much more, that I am so much more than this. Um, and I think that was that was a real turning point for me. I had this beautiful big experience, but the problem was that I was still... Stuck in my body and stuck in habits and ways of being that were harmful, especially around my relationship to sex and, and relationships. And so, this was where I hired you <laughs> as my coach. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time that I also just really didn't even know what it was that I desired or wanted. I think that I had become so numb and detached from my body that even just the idea of of wanting something was really terrifying. Um, and I think that that this narrative that like I, I can't or I need help or I need support or um, yeah, I, I've I've limited myself to to kind of what I am allowed to have or what I'm allowed to want for fear of somebody else (laughs) like a doctor like my parents like a teacher saying no actually you can't do this like you're not capable of that you you shouldn't be doing this it's dangerous or or whatever um so it's definitely played a part in my kind of yeah shutting down on my or limiting myself in many ways and yeah I I was really struggling with my my boundaries I I guess in that rebellious phase I'd really kind of done things and and gone into situations that I really didn't want to to be in but it was just a yeah it, it was just a something that I I I needed I needed to um feel something <laughs> I, I think yeah. in those in those situations and yeah you you really taught me how to um, how to feel <laughs> how to feel, and how to accept that, not to try and change it or make it go away, but to stay present enough with it that I can experience the fullness of what it is I'm experiencing in this moment Um, and yeah I got incredibly hungry for for more (laughs) after the the time that we worked together I, I became very excited about the potential of these practices that you had shared with me and and the transformation that was possible in, in such a short space of time. I think it was only 10 weeks that we worked together. And I felt like that was more powerful than all of the therapies, all of the other kinds of um, help that I had tried in the past. And um, so, yeah, then I did my coaching certification, sex and relationship coaching certification with Leila Martin. And, um, and there was one moment in that which really shifted things as well, where she does these kind of uh, group coaching sessions where you, if you want to be coached live by her, then you kind of put up your hand on Zoom and she'll call you in and you can share what it is that's coming up for you. And um, uh, it was this this module we were doing about primal sexuality, about reclaiming your really like wild courageous sexual expression and I'd actually just met my partner around the same time and we hadn't had sex yet and I was feeling really terrified about the idea of I like well I knew that I really wanted to liberate this this part of my sexuality and I knew that I would have to be comfortable in my body. <laughs> if I'm gonna get wild and primal, my limbs are gonna be flying around anywhere. And um with a partner, like that just felt super, I felt terrified to be that exposed, um, for my body to be that exposed. Um and I had all of this kind of like shame. And and sometimes I call this shame, shame. It's like <laughs> I I felt shame that I still had shame about my body. I had done all this work to, to love myself, all of this radical self-love and acceptance and, you know, body positivity, everybody is beautiful. And I still hated my body. I still felt uncomfortable in my body. I still, I still didn't love my body. And I couldn't admit that I couldn't, it was hard to say, actually, I still have body shame. (laughs) Like, I know that you think my body's beautiful, but I really don't. And, um, in the session with Layla, it must've been in front of like, I don't know, like 200 other women <laughs> it was bit crazy, but she just really simply invited me to let go of what I think I should be feeling about my body that I should love it, or I should accept it, or I should celebrate it. And actually like, what do you feel about your body? And I remember feeling just like sick, like I feel sick I hate my body I feel sick I feel terrified I I feel disgusting and she just let me feel that and really feel it all the way which was terrifying really terrifying but so much power from that like that that I don't know, like half an hour (laughs) of just allowing myself to feel disgusted, to feel shame, to feel sick, to feel, to feel it all really just kind of liberated this, this power that this body shame had had over me, this, this disgust that I still felt. Um, and that really felt like kind of almost like closure in many ways of, of something that had been a, a lifelong grieving process was actually just to simply feel what I felt. <laughs> it was that simple.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like the, the term you got to feel to heal, which I think always rings true as the foundation. Like, you know, I've had yeah similar experiences also with psychedelics, but also in coaching things of just like, okay, like it's, it's been bubbling under the surface, all this like grief and rage and like, why me? And, you know, hatred at the world mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, trying to be good and spiritual and love and light and positive And, you know, oh, it's not yeah. that big a deal. And no, I love myself. And you just kind of like, on this surface level, trying to you know, do it right and love yourself, but then you're not actually acknowledging this like deep muddy uh, feeling underneath. Mm. And actually when we let ourselves just like roll in that mud and go all in, then it actually dissolves um and can finally disappear. Um yeah, so simple but beautiful thing mm-hmm. and I think it also yeah like takes being held in non-judgment and loving compassionate awareness and presence by someone else um I mean like this is the kind of stuff we can tap into alone but I I do know about you but I've definitely found like there's there's a difference to being witnessed in that um and being held in like mm-hmm. loving compassionate non-judgmental acceptance by someone else as you feel that and being encouraged to go there in a way that. We We wouldn't usually go to ourselves without spiraling into like a pity party.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just having somebody create the safety for me to feel that, to know that, that this was welcome, (laughs) um, was yeah, incredibly radical. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, maybe it's yeah I was going to say pressure. I think around people with disabilities to kind of prove themselves in some way. There's there's this. I'm thinking in particular of a kind of marketing campaign back in like 2012. It was the London 2012 Paralympics. And the advertising that they used for that was, um, called like, it was like, we are the superhumans was the tagline. And it was all these incredible Paralympians breaking records and with that like super strong bodies and, and kind of like breaking the boundaries and, and perception of what a human body is capable of. Um, and I think that's incredible. And it's amazing that, you know, it's, it, it proves (laughs) that disability is, is, uh, completely a, a social, um, construct in many ways. And it's an, yeah, it's an incredible, um, thing to bring into awareness, but it also kind of creates something that says it's not okay for you to be vulnerable. It's not okay for you to be weak. It's not okay for you to be sick or, you you know, you've got to get up and do it anyway. You've got to like keep going, you've got to push, push on, push through. And that's kind of a mentality that I have held on to for a really, really long time. Um and even in a lot of this this work that I've been doing in the embodiment practices and kind of like pushing my body to a limit that is not healthy for my nervous system and actually causes a lot more trauma. <laughs> and so letting go of that narrative has been quite challenging because it's been kind of like, uh, yeah, like allowing myself, and I don't know if being a victim is the right word, but just allowing myself to be vulnerable in my in my limb difference and my disability, um, rather than trying to be this superhuman all of the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely resonate with that i i recently had this too and uh, being in one of these environments where everyone's like oh everything's your story and everything's your ego and um there was a lot of practices that i could tell like were just not good for my body like if you know i know that my blood pressure uh, goes off and i can pass out and you know when i had period cramps i'm like this is going to make the cramping worse and you know people are like you're in a story you're in a story why are you uh, you're pulling like the victim and you just lost being in your victim and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, like I just know my body and I know the limitations and I don't have a story about it. I just know like, cool, you guys do this practice. This isn't for me. Um, I know this is going to be detrimental to my health, so I'd rather not do it, but I was constantly surrounded by, um, other people's voices, which used to be my inner voice. Cause I used to, you know, similar to you as like, I can do anything anyone else can do. I'll prove to you <laughs> that I'm just as capable and all this stuff. But like, Lately, you know, there's been a deep acceptance within me of like, my body is just physiologically built different. Like my collagen didn't form properly and I have limitations and that's fine. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with not needing to do everything. I'm fine with sitting out. Um, But then I was really faced with then other people, um, you know, this kind of group pressure and this group thing. And then especially with this whole like shadow, you're in a story kind of thing where I was constantly being told, like, I just wish that you would be more positive and more forward. And, you know, you're always saying I can't, but I wish you would just be saying like, I can, and I will. And I'm like, motherfucker, like that's been me my whole life. Like I have (laughs) deconditioned this to be able to say like, I'm fine Mm -hmm. with not being able to do it. Like, I'm cool with that. Like I'm in acceptance (laughs) with my limitations and I don't need to do everything and I'm fine with it, but everyone else wasn't. And I started feeling like I was going insane because I was like, am I in a story? Like I've been actually really happy lately and really fine and doing fine in my life. But suddenly in this environment, I feel really handicapped and I feel really uh, like in my victim. And I started like actually feeling like I was going quite crazy because there was this constant external judgment and and then people being oh but we're not judging you you're just judging yourself but I'm like like i totally like full on and it really then, like uh once I was out of that environment and recognizing like oh no actually out of this environment I'm fine again it was literally just in this environment where I was being pressured um that it was a problem and that my limitations were a problem um and it, then yeah after that I really started seeing like why I have so, um, I don't know, valuing and, uh, <laughs> reiterating to people when I'm teaching them about, like, it's so important to not push people, to not say that they're in a story, to not just call everything resistance, because sometimes like it's literally the best thing and the healthiest and the most nourishing thing. And actually a very empowering thing to just say, like, I'm not going to do the thing that's not for me. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to trust my body. And, um, yeah, like I've just noticed in the wellness world. Like everyone else seems to have more of a problem with me having an incurable, uh, like, I don't know, syndrome, disability, like whatever, like, it's like other people have more of a problem with it now than I do. Like I used to have the problem with it, but now, you know, and it's like, it's really challenging being in these environments when you're like, man, like I've done so much to decondition this need to like prove myself and keep up with everyone. And now like, I feel pressured <laughs> to, to have to keep up with everyone again, mm. Yeah, I wonder if you've got similar experiences or what you've found has helped like in group environments when it comes to your uh, kind of physical limitations.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like more recently, this has been something that I have really had to put into practice and in this this level of, of acceptance, which I... Almost couldn't tolerate before. Like, I, I had to prove myself. I had to do everything to the same level that somebody with two hands was doing. Like, actually, even at the moment, I'm kind of a bit guilty of it right now. It's like, I'm trying to learn how to do handstands <laughs> because my partner is like really into handstands. And I'm like, I want to do a fucking handstand. <laughs> like, I'm really trying. And it's, it, there, there, there's a, there's a limit right now, and and it, it's kind of, it's interesting because this tension's kind of coming up sometimes when when we're practicing, and he's kind of teaching me like, okay, well, do this, and, and and put your shoulders like this, and put your hand like this, and and it's I, I'm checking in with myself, like, am I, am I like throwing my toys out the pram because I'm frustrated and I can't do it, and like, I am. And then, feeling and then like kind of like there's something wrong with me again and 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 like having this idea that um, yeah, that like feeding that that narrative of of like, uh, I'm not good enough to do this. I can't I'm just having to constantly check in with myself as to whether I'm pushing my body to do something that it just physically cannot do, or if I am going into, yeah, some kind of like, victim I can't do this I need help um kind of yeah narrative or story um and I see from my partner that he he takes on that like no yes you can yes you can yes you can do it we're gonna do it let's do it um and I I think it's just like uh, people that people that don't have these kinds of differences or physical limitations or have never had a serious illness or um it's just a kind of it's a cultured thing like and you know you see it at the gym (laughs) all the time like everyone's pushing their body to the max and trying to gain more muscle trying to run longer swim faster like whatever it is it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I guess that sometimes it's helpful to to question your limitations and your limiting beliefs and what you think you're capable of. I definitely, that's super valuable on my own journey because I had these inherited ideas from society about what they told me I could and can't do. So I did have to kind of question and go beyond what other people were telling me i could do but not take that on as a as a mental attitude for myself to then come back to trusting my body and listening to what's right for me and and now yeah the, the 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 challenge at the moment is to stand in that truth for myself and to not take on other people's ideas or expectations and to be like actually yeah this is this is my max this is like all i can do and I feel okay with that. Are you okay with that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing. It's like celebrating where you're at. Like we don't all have to do everything. It's like, fuck yeah. Like if I showed up and did something and it was 50% of what other people were doing, but it still felt like a nourishing, awesome practice. And I had fun Then like, that's all that needs to be done, you know, like, we don't all need to be uh, like superheroes, super strong, whatever, like, as long as we're fit and healthy and living a good quality of life, then why do we need to prove anything to anyone? And I think this has been like the, the biggest deconditioning is like, what am what am I trying to prove? And who am I trying to prove what to, <laughs> you know, like, am I trying to prove something to myself or to other people? And then like, looking at just like the reality of the present moment and like, am I healthy enough? Am I able to live a quality life? Am I able to do the important things that need to be done? And, you know, am I like able to be grateful and be happy where I'm at? And like, can that be enough? Like, do I need to constantly strive for more? And, you know, for, for what reason, like (laughs) what, what benefit do I think that being more or having more would have on me? So all very good Mm. increase. Um, So we're running out of time a little bit here. I'd love if you just had any like last things that you'd like to share with people, maybe a final like tip or a way that they can get
1: in contact or anything like that. Uh, Like that last thing you said about um, the more, the more, 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 wanting more, more, more. It felt like, yeah, this one of the biggest gifts that this body has really taught me is around being willing to give up what I think I need in order to be happy and fulfilled and really come into that deep acceptance of, of, of loving exactly what is. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's really what I'm trying to, to share now with the work that I do and and what I'm offering moving into this space of, of deep acceptance of radical self-love of, um, just being able to surrender <laughs> and 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 yeah be here now really um so yeah if uh mm-hmm. if you want to find out more about what I do um in the process of constructing a website right now so I can't direct you there but um you can follow me on Instagram which is just uh at Blossom Leela or Facebook. Facebook me Blossom lila. um I share a lot of stuff on there too and and some of my writing uh, I also have a a Facebook group called the Triple P Collective um and yeah beautiful to cool. to share and connect more there
0: <laughs> all right beautiful I'll put the links below thanks so much for taking this time with me today lovely to hear your perspectives thanks for sharing your wisdom with us
1: yeah thank you so much for having me <laughs>
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it inspiring. You can connect with me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and through my website, centralartistry.com and centralarts.school, where you can get some freebies and sign up to my mailing list to stay in touch. Hope to see you again soon.